0: Good morning, everybody. This is Vernon Oaks. Welcome to Everything Co-op. We have Leslie Nordine on with us this morning, and Bob Alnut will be on with us. Good morning, Leslie.
1: Hello. How are you? Thank you for having me.
0: Thank you for being on. Thank you for being on with us this morning. Now, where are you this now? Where are you? What part of the country?
1: I am in Boston right now, um, sitting in in the Boston area.
0: Okay. All right. Well, thank you for being on. So you're not up early. I originally thought you were in California because you and your husband and other adults are creating a community out there for your children. Is that right?
1: That's right. That's right. Uh, My husband and I are the only people who are not physically located in um, the Bay Area right now. But we work with a group of families who are located in San Mateo county and surrounding areas. And we are very much in the thick of building a community for adults with disabilities, um, a residential community, and hopefully so much more than that.
0: Okay. I want to know what so much more that is. (laughs) So you're creating an adult community. Now, is this for you and your husband?
1: No, actually, this is for our, well, we refer to them as children, but many of our quote unquote children are in their 20s and 30s. Our son's uh, Sawyer is 18 and he's one of the younger uh, residents of this community. Um, It's called the Big Wave Community Cooperative and it's being built in Half Moon Bay, California. And the idea and the mission is to create a community of um, individuals of all different abilities, educational, socioeconomic backgrounds, to live communally in a place that really encourages their individual choice, encourages their growth, but also provides them with a sense of community.
0: Encourage their growth and a sense of community. So this is for your adult child Sawyer.
1: That's exactly right. Okay. That's exactly right. The genesis of the community was a group of parents uh, in the Bay Area Who would sit in the bleachers and watch their 12 to 14-year-old kids play on a basketball team in Special Olympics on a weekly basis? And they would sit there and talk and compare notes about what their kids were going through and what they as parents were going through. But one theme that kept coming up in their conversations uh, was, what's going to happen when we're no longer here? Who's going to take care of our kids?
0: So that is the adults are saying, okay, our children have these special needs. Now, what's going to happen to them once we are gone? Once the the evolution of life happens and death happens for the adults, and those children are still here, what happens? So that's that, right. That's a theme.
1: Okay. That's a theme, and that's something I can tell you firsthand as a parent of a special needs child that can keep you up at night because your your child's caregiver for well beyond the age that most parents are the caregivers for their children and you worry about your child with special needs and you also worry about your other family members who you know for example in my situation we have a daughter who's 17 months younger than Sawyer and we want her job to just be to love her brother and to have a connection with her brother but um, not to worry about his, financial security, or his day-to-day care, because that's a lot for someone of her age to bear.
0: <laughs> right, right. And what's her name?
1: Her name is Riley.
0: Riley, okay. Yes. So Riley is about 16. And uh, 17. She's 17, and Sawyer is yeah. 18. That's right. Okay. And Sawyer is born blind and autistic?
1: Sawyer was born blind, and while he's had autism since he's young, he wasn't diagnosed until he was eight years old. And a lot of that had to do with many of the behaviors that he was exhibiting were first attributed to his blindness, to a sense of lack of control for you know, being blind and confusion or about his surroundings and, and an inability to learn visually like so many infants do. But when the behaviors persisted and we just kept searching and searching for answers for what we were seeing, um, we thankfully received a diagnosis of autism when he was eight, which is quite late for, for many kids. But that is his, his, his primary disability, or the one that really is the focus of our interventions is more autism than, than his blindness.
0: Okay, okay. How has this been for you as a parent to have this child that's disabled and you're loving and caring and nurturing?
1: It's been a journey. It's been an incredible journey. When I look back and realize that he's now 18, it's really hard to believe where we've been and how far we've come. There have certainly been a lot of peaks and a lot of valleys. It has evened out tremendously. Um, those first few years, even that first 10 years, was emotionally and mentally very challenging as parents. But you learn so much in your entire perspective about Life and raising children changes incredibly, and you learn to celebrate every victory. Okay. And overall, I would say, as challenging as it is, there are so many gifts involved. And I'm not just saying that. Uh,
0: Okay. And I see Bob has joined us, Bob and his son. We'll keep talking until...
1: He gets hooked
0: up. He gets his technology working. Okay, so we got his emotion, mentally challenging, and you can celebrate every victory.
1: Well, and it it really, it changes a family. Um, And I would say, in our case, it has made our family closer. It has made our family um, a lot more resilient. And I'm happy to say, and and really focus most uh, these days on the fact that I can say that Sawyer is is his best self, is um, a happy, happy young man who knows that he's loved and it's a good life. We we've 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 fought hard for it, but we've feel like we've gone through much of the obstacles and come out the other side. Not to say that, you know, <laughs> there's not more ahead, but there always will be, but our family is better for it and stronger for it
0: fantastic fantastic all the way around okay but you're in massachusetts yes and this community is half moon bay and i I love half moon bay by the way i know where that is and you're going to be moving out to northern california and with this community now how many people are going to be in this community how how big is it how many units how many apartments or is it single family houses tell us a little bit about the community
1: Sure, sure. The community is um, I will I say the community planned. We are in the process of construction and and have been for for a while now and development. It's a fifty to sixty thousand square foot building that has a total of thirty five um, apartments of various sizes. There are studio, one bedroom, and two-bedroom apartments. There's one three-bedroom apartment as well. There's a 10,000-square-foot courtyard that is uh, surrounded by the horseshoe-shaped building, um, and there are a variety of common areas that are intended to create uh, opportunities for congregation, for community activities, and for bringing in the outside Uh, Bay Area community, members of the outside Bay Area community, and those who aren't necessarily residents of the Big Wave building. Those common areas are a large uh, dining space, um, uh, an upstairs lounge slash library, a lobby with plenty of seating, um, a movie room, and the dining room would be you know, multifunctional for places to have holiday and birthday celebrations and Zumba classes and yoga classes and whatever the residents might be interested in.
0: Okay, 35 apartment buildings from studio to a three-bedroom, one three-bedroom. 35. Now, this is a horseshoe shape, so I drew, drew, drew that, and in the center of it is common area. Now, is that going to be an enclosed common area or is that outdoor kind of space?
1: Both. There are um, multiple common areas inside as well as the 10,000-square-foot outdoor courtyard.
0: Sound like a place I might want to live in. That sounds beautiful.
1: Exactly. (laughs) (laughs) This is a seven-acre parcel of land that this residential building will take up part of that space, but then we – Will have additional land on that plot that could be, or is intended to be, an area for future development um, for the community. And there's a lot of discussion about what that can be. It can be additional residences, or it could be, you know, a big fitness center. You know, there are so many different ideas. But first, we we are focusing on that residential building. I should also mention that, because this is a very interesting model, that on the bottom floor of the residential building, there is space set aside for commercial businesses. And the idea is for um, the commercial businesses who lease that space to be commercial tenants who are willing to uh, open their doors to uh, provide employment opportunities for some of the residents of Big Wave. Um, and in addition, there's a commercial space that is in planned for uh, rental by a adult day program that many of the residents currently attend now. the future residents currently attend now. So that particular day program also is is planning to run a what a culinary academy out of the commercial kitchen of the first floor of this residential building where, residents and other participants of their day program can learn skills in the food service industry. Um, so it, we have a lot going on in this building.
0: <laughs> okay. So you all could also start some worker co-op in that building where your members could own it.
1: Uh, Excuse uh, I'm sorry. I couldn't hear.
0: I said you could pro- possibly start a worker cooperative.
1: There's certainly that possibility. Our focus is on a, you know, offering a lot of different opportunities with with on the campus itself in addition to the outside community but really bringing the outside community in um, whether they be as consumers or employers or consumers of businesses where our residents work
0: and Leslie we're gonna have to take our first break so thank you for sharing with us big wave um, in Half Moon Bay California And when we come back, we'll talk to Bob about what they're doing in Maryland. We'll be right back. Please don't touch that now. This is WOL News Talk, 1450 AM at 95.9 FM 959. Welcome back, everybody. This is Vernon Oaks. Welcome to Everything Co-op. And now we're going to talk to Bob Allnut, who is working on a project in Maryland, similar to what Leslie is doing in Northern California. Bob, uh, good morning. Good morning. So welcome. Uh, what part of the world are you in right now?
2: Well, I'm, my son, I'm with my son, Jack, and we're uh, just coming off. Uh, we're in, in uh, St. Simons Island, Georgia, and we just spent... Uh, a wonderful couple days on Cumberland Island in the middle of, of paradise with no internet connection so we're we're just now rejoining the world and i'm sitting at a, a nice little coffee shop at St. Simons with Jack
0: fantastic thank you for taking part of your vacation and sharing your story with us
2: well first about what kind of work do you do i am a uh, i'm in commercial real estate and i've been uh, mainly tenant rep and i do some development of residential lots um, but pretty much it's mostly been commercial, office, industrial, retail, um, leasing, and development.
0: Okay. And how many children do you have?
2: I've got three children. Jack is number three. I have two uh, uh, neurotypical daughters, uh, 25 and 23, and Jack is 21. Okay. And he is di- was diagnosed at about age two, but he is nonverbal and types to communicate. He types to
0: communicate. Okay. Fantastic. Yes.
2: He, at age ten, he uh, learned how to type um, at uh, the Halo Studio uh, in uh, Austin, Texas. And after that, he was amazing and just he was mainstreamed. And he has a high school diploma, and he going to go to college starting this summer to study his passion in finance and uh, stock trading.
0: Oh, fantastic! I can, he can teach me, particularly yeah, stock we're all trading. For that, <laughs> okay. Okay, so now tell me a little bit about neighborhood of Maryland. Why you all are starting this?
2: Well, we we uh, it's basically a group. It started with a group of parents of typers, just like Jack, who um, and we're looking around. Everybody's hitting twenty one. Jack just turned twenty one, and life really changes. But um, you know, as you get older and your your children become adults, the prospects for where they're going to spend the rest of their lives. We're just not satisfactory for us you know you have a state institution is a possibility which doesn't sound great a lot of the options are group homes but we think you know frequently they're in neighborhoods that really don't want them to be there so um, we've looked around at a lot of options we took a webinar from the autism housing network which was illuminating we looked at a lot of projects you know, but, you know, you can't cover everything we never heard of. This is the first time I heard of big wave. And I'm just grateful to, you know, I will be reaching out for data from them. But what we found is the general model tends to be uh, a low income rental. And for our kids, one of the you know the biggest challenges is, is stability and the concept of having my daughters to have to negotiate a lease every year or perhaps having a move every year isn't really appealing. So we were looking for a neighborhood that was one, inclusive and receptive to special needs adults, but two where he could have a purchase opportunity so that he, you know, we would know that after we're gone, he wouldn't be forced to move and then he would just be around friends. So we have been looking for about two and a half years for a site and I think we finally have one. And our concept as we had talked about is is that we formed a nonprofit to create a community center, more of a regional community center. And our current plans are about 11,500 square feet with, you know, activities or or the ability to host a lot of existing programs in the community, but to create a place where guys like Jack can go be around their peers. Uh, Because loneliness, I think, is a really big thing. And I think, you know, the rest of the country got to experience it in COVID. And they saw how typical kids responded to isolation and the lack of social opportunity. And, and I think that in a way that's kind of good that people now have a degree of empathy for what special needs adults live their whole life with. So that was, that was the half. That's the, that's the nonprofit half. So okay. we are, we're really working hard to do that. And then on the other side, which brings us to the, the concept of the co-op, we wanted to develop. Right, no, let him. Bob Wait, Bob let him communicate. Community? Go ahead. Leave him let him be, please. Yeah, Jack, do you have anything to add? Do you have anything to add, buddy? He needs a typer, so I'll let him type while I'm talking. Okay. I mm-hmm. W A N T want to. Mm-hmm. I want to. V E. I want to live Amen. W I T H with my my friends. He went so I want to live with my friends and who doesn't? And okay. and that's why we you know we we are putting together the project. It's, again, it's also about seven and a half acres, and it's uniquely it's right beside the, the police headquarters, and next to a beautiful forest and a trailhead for a hiking trail, but it's situated near the Kentlands community, which is kind of a you know a nice walkable community with you know lots of walking trails and there's a shopping center with job opportunities and it seems to be ideal. And our plan is for probably either single families or townhomes, but in an inclusive community that will be developed and owned through a housing cooperative. And with the idea there that, you know, people like Jack and others like him, you know, they're busy trying to live their lives. And so it's great to have the community to think about things like roof replacement and painting and and making sure things, you know, look good. You know, one of my my, uh, good friends and mentors, you know, who, kind of sanity checks me said, you know, if you're going to look for sponsorship and support, you've got to be able to tell people how this place isn't going to be a dump in twenty years. Yep. And yep. and the co-op, you know, it gives that sense of community, that sense of, you know, welfare for the whole community. But you know, we 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 borrowed a lot of ideas from other communities, one of which is a great community in Rockville, Maryland called Main Street. And their credo is bring your own independence so if you're quirky and maybe you're asperger's or maybe you're some other you know maybe you're a very independent downs person or something else and you don't need help well fine you know we're you know you bring your own independence that's great but jack's going to need a one-on-one so we are we will find a place where you know we'll probably do a maybe a three-bedroom where jack can have a bedroom his one-on-one can have a bedroom and You know, because of the nature of service, of one-on-one service, we'll probably have two one-on-ones so they can tag team. But the the beauty of the co-op is that while people won't necessarily, we can't provide services, we don't provide you know HOA, you know HOA on steroids. People will know Jack. People will know his name, and you know, hey, there's Jack. He needs a Jack. Where's your one-on-one? Yeah. And and his friend Mike, who's a runner. You know, Mike. You know, you can he can come out his front door and he can go. But we're going to have a it'll be a gated community, so he can go get lost in our community, and he won't be walking down the center line of the busy road, or he won't be two two neighborhoods over going through somebody's garage. So um, the idea is to create an inclusive community where you don't necessarily have to be special needs, but if you're there, you're there because you buy into, you know, the the group concept. And you're willing to be at least be supportive and and tolerant and appreciative of appreciative of the skills they bring and the gifts they bring and tolerant of their shortcomings and idiosyncrasies. So that's where we are. We're just working now with the city and the state and the county to get support for this project. But we are finally starting to move a little bit and make some headway.
0: Fantastic. And Bob, you mentioned something that Leslie talked about in the first segment. And that is that you you know that as a parent, if the normal course of life happens, you will die before Jack. And then the question is, and what Leslie talked about, was having to be concerned earlier than most parents have to be concerned. What happens to your child once you're gone? So are you in right. the same space of what happens? What, what Absolutely.
2: Person? Absolutely. I, you know, I'm, I'm 65. Jack is 21, and he is incredibly healthy, and my family has a line of really old people. You know, we, we live a long life, and he he'll have he two sisters, and we're fortunate for there. But I, I, that responsibility of caring for your sibling is, you know, no one cares more than the parents do and and you want to leave and i'm not going to leave my kids a ton of money but i'd love to leave and you know jack listens in and and you know he was he was you know real upset about a year ago and he and we said why are you upset goes, well you're trying to get rid of me and we said no we're trying to find a place for you to live and he said good because i don't want to live with you my whole life you know know? that's exactly right that's exactly right
1: they show they show you how much they thrive. In just like other young adults that they thrive when they are out of their parents' home, whether it be in a sleepover camp or just interacting with a community that's not grounded just in mom and dad. They they thrive just like everybody else does when they go off to college or or right. find their own first job.
2: Right. They want peers and they want a lack of judgment and and it's just um you know people who accept them and and it's just so important and he he's totally he just type right now you know i want to live with my friends and that's where It's interesting because as we've gone through this, community has two different meanings. So community is kind of a social aspect, and that's where we're really going for that community center so that people who aren't as fortunate to live in a really supportive community will have a place to go where they know people are going to know their name and they know their deal and they can hang out with their peers. And the great fortune is that we're next door to the police and fire headquarters, so we're going to build a full-court basketball Aspect and a gym, and try to encourage the police to come over and meet our people, and you know, so that if they see somebody being quirky or, you know, whatever, they they, they understand and have some empathy of how it works, and then in the community, it's just yeah, people know your name, people are supportive of you, okay, and it, Bob, yeah, so that's that's the deal.
0: We're going to take another break and come back and talk about the deal, and we'll do a little comparison between Leslie's deal and Bob's deal. So we'll be right back. Please do not touch that dial. News
1: Talk
0: 1450 WOLAM, where information is power. Welcome back, everybody. This is Vernon Oaks, and we have Bob Allnut out of... Maryland, Montgomery County, and Leslie Nordine, who is in Massachusetts, but they're creating a community in Northern California. I didn't say this to you, Leslie, uh, but I I went to Stanford uh, in Palo Alto, which is, I don't know, 45 minutes south of San Francisco. And then when you go due west, you go to Half Moon Bay, and Half Moon Bay is where you are creating this. And I used to go over there to go to the beach. But this program, we've been 10 years on air. Uh, ten October will be 10 years. So we're in our 10th year. And NCB, National co Bank, has been our sponsor all of those years. They've been a great, great partner. NCB's mission is to support and be an advocate for Americans' cooperatives and their members, especially in low-income communities, by providing innovative financial and related services. So NCB is looking at low income communities or communities with special needs. And you guys are creating a community of your children who are adults at this point who have special needs. And they're normally called disabilities, whether it's autism or blindness or something else. So my question where I want to go to, cause this program is called everything co-op is why did you choose the co-op model for your housing? I mean, what What are the benefits? And Leslie, could you start off with that?
1: Sure, sure. As a parent who has a child with special needs, what you often hear is that, and you often see that individuals who have the same diagnosis, whether it be in a group home or in a day program or really so many other types of settings, they're grouped together without Looking at that particular individual's personality or their needs. For example, my son is blind and autistic, but incredibly social. So people with autism, you know, range in terms of their desire to be sociable. So um, if he is around very quiet people, even though they have the same uh he likes to hear people talk because he can't see them so he likes to hear a lot of activity around him at the same time there are a lot of people with autism who are sensitive to sound and they sometimes want to be alone or they're nonverbal, and they certainly have their own needs but sawyer if he is in a room with them even though they have the same diagnosis isn't getting what he needs to thrive, because the more he hears people talk, the more his language develops. What a co-op allows you to do, and if, if I could just add this one point before I make that point, is just like our neurotypical kids, we want our kids to go out and find a sense of community. However, unlike my daughter Riley, Sawyer cannot go out and find friends that are compatible with his personality and find friends... Um, and people in his community who give him what he needs and whose lives he can contribute to, those things have to be brought to him. So the onus is on us as parents to create a community that works for our individual children, given their individual needs, personalities, likes, and dislikes. And what a co-op allows you to do is to really decide on the type of community you're looking for, looking to create. It's an intentional community. It's one where people just aren't grouped together because of a diagnosis that's listed on their medical forms, but rather who they are as people. And a co-op gives you that ability to create this community that works well together. For example, We, like Bob, are very focused on the social benefits of being around others. And while we recognize that everybody, uh, regardless of whether they're neurotypical or not, likes to have their own quiet time and likes to have their own separate space. So we have that ability for each resident to be in their own apartment, but we are also looking for residents who want to be part of a social community, who want to live in a community that's centered around social events, who wants to not just contribute to those social events by wanting to be present, but also has interests that they can share with others, um, while still giving them the ability to have, have their own private space that they can control and they can retreat to when they would like to in the form of of an apartment so that the co-op really provides a level of choice in creating a particular intentional community that a traditional group home or other residential solutions uh, for people with disabilities do not provide.
0: Fantastic. Thank you, Leslie. Bob, what about you?
2: Um, Yeah, and Jack just typed, a community would be great for me and my tribe. Okay. So it is you know, just like just like anyone else they have. You know, they, he has his social his guys. And, and to Leslie's point, it is it was kind of enlightening um, you know, because we get together a lot. But when you get typers together with other autistics or other, you know, they have the same issue, which is speed of communication. So there's there's somewhat of a disconnect if people are, are verbal even typical people in, in, in autistics or special needs are no different. They don't have the patience to wait for the typing. So uh, you know, to a certain degree, you can pull people together. But uh, you know, they do tend, like all of us, tend to break into their comfort group of comfort. But the co-op does create a general environment of, of tolerance and, and basically mindset. And we have also, uh, our, our project is going to be based on the concept of the pocket neighborhood Um, There's an architect, um, uh, Ross Chapin, out in Washington State, who has Mm -hmm. a concept called the pocket neighborhood, which we really liked for our model because it's little houses. And the concept is they're all close together with front porches that face each other. So if you feel like being social, hang out on your front porch. And if you feel like being private, you have a nice private little oasis backyard where you go be private and then we're adding to that by adding the community center and uh... Um, and then. I, but i love the co-op aspect because you know people have said, well okay well bob you you and your and your peers are going to develop this and most of the units are going to be probably pre-purchased by people you know what happens for that next round how do you do the next round and then also how do you how do you prevent people because i what i can see happening is this thing going through the roof when people finally figure it out How do you keep people from speculating? And so there's a lot of nuances that, you know, we have to do to maintain the character of the neighborhood, to keep honest people honest, you know, and to keep, you know, to fight that. There's all kinds of of things, which is I'm fascinated to talk to people who have done co-ops to like, you know, think through all these protections you have to. Do into your charter. To like, okay, so how is this going to work? How, when these things turn, you know, or, you know, how do you prevent, you know, somebody from saying, hey, it's a great idea. I'm going to see if I can, I'll buy into this for 12 months and flip it for twice my money. We don't, we don't want this. We want this to be, you know, while affordable housing is, is great, we just want attainable housing. We want market price. And then next project we'll talk about affordable. But we don't want this to be something that is a toy of the rich or it's something, you know, it really should be a market priced opportunity for people to purchase homes for special needs folks or people who need what we're offering. Um and not, you know, without gouging the public, but without but making it fair. And then maybe the next project could be bigger and we can have some economies of scale and all these things that we struggle with because the community is just it can't be, you know, the lending community, people haven't accepted that this is viable as a project, just as they did not accept senior housing when Sunrise started it. Uh I talked to someone from Sunrise and they said when the Clawsons did this, all the lenders said this is never people are never gonna buy this. You're never going to get loans for this. No one wants this. I think people want this. They just haven't had an opportunity to buy it. Or even
1: They also it. really need it. <laughs> they they need it. You know, you see this huge growth and explosion of kids, as we know, you know, who are coming, I I say kids, I don't mean that in a pejorative way, it's just they're our kids, becoming adults, coming of age and aging out of the educational system with the rise in diagnoses of autism, intellectual, developmental delay, the the state and federal residential solutions are in no way uh, sufficient to cover and address the residential needs of this huge population of young adults who are aging out
0: so i get right. that uh co-ops um, the first week i was on uh, the show in october of 10 years ago or so a gentleman by the name of papa sin said that co-ops are formed to solve community problems and he further said that if there's no community problem, there's no need for a co-op. So he, you all have identified a community issue, something where you have more and more people coming in with, with these needs, these special needs, and a co-op can address them. And so, Bob, I was also thinking when you look at fair housing, you say things like it has to be open to everybody. It cannot be discriminatory in any kind of way. And you have something called a membership committee and a co-op. The Membership Committee interviews everybody and decides if they can come in or not and I was thinking with seniors because I managed senior a couple of senior places uh that they, they said you have to be over sixty two or you cannot make but so much money or blah blah blah. What kind of stipulations do you put in so that that the first round, the second round, the third round, the tenth round will be the kind of people that you have developed this community to be for. And that would be interesting to see what the lawyers come up with. And Leslie, you're a lawyer, so you should be able to tell us all of this.
1: <laughs> <laughs> I'm happy to say that in this capacity, I'm a parent <laughs> who <laughs> used to practice law. And I'm very happy to say that I'm I'm not the, the lawyer for the cooperative. But these are all questions that we have grappled with. You know, we recently... Um, Rewrote all of our bylaws. We are in the process of writing a rules and policies and procedures manual for the co-op. We recently came out with a membership packet that uh, lists kind of the baseline eligibility requirements for people to apply. And you're you're right. I mean, obviously, we would always comply with fair housing laws and not discriminate. Um, but it is, it is very much a qualitative decision based on a lot of different factors, all of which that are permissible, <laughs> nothing that violates fair housing, for sure. But, you know, you, these are people who we keep reminding ourselves, we are looking to establish a community where our kids can live for the rest of their lives. This isn't a one-year lease or a two-year lease. So it's not just your typical neighborhood or apartment building that they're looking to just go have their lives outside and, and park the, the the things they own. But it's really so much more than that. So it requires an examination of a tremendous amount of factors that are very personal, that are can be very emotional, that you have to stay objective about and also be very fair about, but always keep your eye on that mission of creating an intentional community that works for life for the residents. Now, we obviously know as parents as parents alone, but also parents with special needs, that you can't predict anything and nothing is assured, but that's our plan. And that's our hope that this ends up being a lifetime uh, residential, residential solution for our kids. And we have to approach it that way.
0: And we're going to take our next break and come back and talk. We only have one more segment. It goes by real quick, and I've been ex- enjoying this extremely. So, co ops are formed to solve community problems. Do you have a community problem that the government has not been able to solve? And so, you are coming together and solving it. I think that is great. We'll be right back, and we'll talk more about the solution and uh, where you can get additional help. We'll be right back. Please don't touch that dial. News Talk 1450 WOL AM, Where information is power Welcome back everybody This is Vernon Oaks The program is Everything Co-op And I'm having an exciting conversation With Leslie Nordeen and Bob Allnut About mm-hmm. using a cooperative model To solve mm-hmm. housing community issues For their adult children mm-hmm with disabilities and so we talked about the benefits of of the cooperative model leslie you all are in construction so you already have your land bob are, have identified the land but they don't have it yet and they don't have the money and money a lot of times is the the problem with these how did you get how did you get your funding in your land
1: we were very very fortunate um with respect to the land one of the parents on this uh special needs basketball team that started this whole idea owned a 20 acre parcel of land in Half Moon Bay and he and his partner and some other members of their their LLC were generous enough to donate a very large portion that that's well not a very large portion a 7 acre plot from that 20 acres. I don't know if we could have done it if we didn't have that. I want to say we could because if you've ever want to meet determined people, it's parents (laughs) with kids with special needs and, you know, you can never accept no for an answer. But then because it is on the California coast, it took many, many years to go through the California Coastal Commission and San Mateo County for all of the permits. Um, and entitlements to no. be able to develop this land.
0: Okay. So you said that parents become very resilient if you have special needs children and you learn a lot. And so that's helps you to fight this. I got it. What about the money side of it? How much you're in construction, so how much did you all figure your budget was going to be to build this this thirty five <laughs> unit apartment building?
1: We are still in that process. We have done a tremendous amount of infrastructure uh, work and foundational work, utilities, sewer, infrastructure work on the ground. We have not yet gone vertical, and we are still raising funds to go vertical. We are in the final stages of negotiating a um, construction contract for the remainder or the totality of the building, what has not been done. But we have millions of dollars in infrastructure already done, but we're right at that point. You know, we're we're hoping to go vertical in the fall, but that's going to depend a lot on where the bottom line of that construction contract comes out and our ability to raise money. So it's, it's a constant battle. This is not a small project by any means. Um, and we're also trying to figure out, um, calling upon as much expertise as we have in our parent group, from different professions, you know, uh, what do the finances look like? How much is um, it going to take to operate the building, to operate the, the community? How much debt can we service once the building is done? These are all questions that we have spent hundreds of hours discussing and debating. And there are not a lot of precedents to rely on. So we feel like we're really creating it from scratch. Okay. Um,
0: so so, Bob, while we were on a break, you said you're going to be calling her because she's already done her bylaws, her house rules and things, and you all haven't even started that yet.
2: You've identified the land,
0: but you haven't started. And I think because of where you're located, you wouldn't have to worry about putting in sewage and water and all of that. It would probably be there. So you wouldn't have to underground. You're not on the coast in Silver Springs, Maryland. So you don't have to coast with people to, bar- to worry about. But have you have you got a sense of a budget of what it's going to cost to build these 16 to 19 units? Have you done that yet with your real estate experience? Yes,
2: yes we have done a budget. And uh, yeah, in Maryland, the uh, it's all about the Chesapeake Bay because we're on tributaries that feed the Chesapeake Bay. And our property abuts, uh, it's actually seven and a half acres, but it's only about three acres usable because much of it is stream valley. And there's a major stream coming through. And uh, you know, so you really do have those issues. One general point I wanted to just backtrack with, real quick, on the on the concept of the co-op, because if anybody has a special needs child, they know that the problem is not static. The problem's dynamic. So your solution that worked yesterday might not be at all appropriate today so that's why a co-op is really important because the problem's going to change like you might perfectly address it so we might address the problem up front and have it perfect in those th- but the document has to be living so that when the new problem comes up because it will these problems evolve so that the magic you know the alchemy in putting together your your co-op is going to be on our, how do we how do we have confidence that we've gotten a document and an organization and a group and a committee that can effectively address these new problems that are coming so that was just my my trailing issue the in terms of budget we we are probably in the 15 million range and uh the, the property is probably worth maybe I hope nobody's listening from the city and the county. It probably is worth, you know, five <laughs> to six million dollars. And and um, my my hope is to get that for nothing. Um, and I think I've got an angle. You know, I, I am I am like Captain Ahab. I'm a zealot. I'm a nut. I'm like a street preacher. And this is all I think about. And I think I have an angle to get it for free. And, and it's it was a revelation that I had about two weeks ago when somebody told me that I was too ambitious and I should quit. And uh, and then I came home and told my wife and she said, well, yeah, he's probably right. And I said, why? And she kind of and I, and I realized that I've been looking at a lot of sites and they all have numerous problems. But the first site, the perfect site, the site we're going to go to has one big problem. And at the end of the day, you know, one big problem I can get around. Um, so so that's that's kind of where I'm at. And I think that problem is actually going to turn out to be a great benefit. And, uh, you know, stay tuned. I'll let you know how this ends. But uh, okay. the way it's supposed to go is we get the property for free and the rest of us cost somewhere between 15 and $20 million. And about five or six of that is going to be the community center. And the rest will be pre-sales to special needs parents. Since no one's going to give us a loan, we're going to basically go to a lender with the credit of, you know, 19 parents. And mm-hmm. um, because because it's a co-op, it's a business, so those, those deposits are non-refundable, which is a big deal in getting this thing financed. Leslie, would you like to add to that?
1: Yeah, I think that, first of all, Bob, I would say we are cut from the same cloth. But as a, I know I keep saying, as a parent of a child with special needs, but being in that situation as a parent, nobody knows your kids' needs better than you. But what we've also learned for their entire lifetime is if we don't do it, no one will. And if we don't speak up, our kids can't speak up for themselves. We are their advocate. We are their voice. We are their fighter. And if we don't fight for them, they can't. And so as many long hours and long nights and really discouraging obstacles that we've faced in this project, no is not an option. You know, people – I said there are some days that I think – You know, I can't do this. I have to do this. If I don't do this, Sawyer doesn't have the place, and that's not an option. Option. It's And I recently had a friend who was looking at something similar, and she said, am I crazy? I said, yeah, you're crazy, but if you don't do it, no one will do it.
0: All right, crazy so people. it
1: down to
0: us. I'm glad to be talking to a couple of crazy people. It's phenomenal,
1: <laughs> uh, particularly
0: in the space of co-ops because the co-ops, we have this program to tell people about co-ops because they do solve, they do solve problems with the way that they're designed. And I just got to mention the values and principles of cooperation, and I like the ethical values of honesty, openness, social responsibility, the social thing that we're talking about a lot, and caring for others. And this is what it's all about. How do you care for people that maybe can't care for themselves? How do you care for people that have these special needs? Uh, and, but those special needs could be, it's in the black community, it's in the brown communities, it's in the Native American communities, and you all saying, we're parents and we've got to fight because nobody else will. That's the same thing that other parents have to do in these other communities. So you are, you all are inspiring a lot of, you're inspiring me. And, a lot of, and I assume that people that listen to this and will listen to you will inspire them. Leslie, please tell people how they can get a hold to you for donations or any kind of support. How, how can they get a hold to you or your your program Big Wave?
1: Absolutely. If you go to bigwaveproject.org, um, you will get to our website. Um, there is a place that you can certainly donate, and we can absolutely use that support. If you're interested in um, looking into membership in the co-op for an apartment for your loved one, um, there is a place that you can click and uh, fill out a statement of interest, and that actually goes directly to my email. And I receive your statement of interest, and that would kick off our awareness of you and, and sharing inf- more information that you, you might want to consider in terms of moving forward for application.
2: And Bob, same you- thing. Bob, how do you get a hold of you? I was trying to get the unmute button to listen to me. Uh, that would be great. We're, we are We uh, are the neighborhood of md.org. wish it could be shorter, more concise, but it's the neighborhood of md.org. and we would love to have participation. We're early, but uh, we are uh, you know, a growing group, but we're getting momentum and uh, it's, uh, it's going to happen. I'm telling you, you, it's gonna happen. There's a few few of us zealots. Thank you so much, thank you,
0: Zealots. Thank you very much. Everybody out there, we'll see you next Thursday. Please live cooperatively. News talk fourteen fifty W O L A M, where information is power.